Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. When Molly and I were uh, newlyweds, we were living in Crystal Lake, Illinois, not too far from here, a little bit northwest. And um, we had come to Illinois from uh, from Purdue country, which is Lafayette, Indiana. And uh, when we got married, my brother Mike was living in Lafayette at the time in a house with a couple of friends. And um, it just so happened that one uh, one weekend, Michael was coming to visit Molly and I in our apartment uh, at our apartment in uh, in uh, Crystal Lake. And uh, this was actually before everybody had a cell phone. And so Mike was en route from Lafayette to to uh, Crystal Lake. It was about a three-hour drive or so. And as he was on his way to see us, uh, one of his roommates called. And he's like, Kevin, I really need to talk to Mike. Is Mike there? And I said, no, man, he's not here right now. He's, he's on his way. He's like, I got some really, really urgent news. Can you please have him call me? I said, sure, no problem. And he told me what the news was. And I said, that's a really big deal. I'll, I'll have Mike call you. And so as Mike is in route, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to share this big news with him. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I guess I didn't do a great job, but he, when he got to the house, I was about to share what, what happened, but I felt it was rude. And so first I was like, hey man, you know, how was your trip? Like, did you, everything going okay? You know, how'd the car hold up? You have an old car? He's like, everything's good. I said, well, hey, uh, I, I do have some urgent news that I want to share with you. And he's, what's that? he said, what's that? And I said, well, your house burnt down. And he said, yeah, that is really urgent news. And then he said, you might have like just started with that. <laughs> like, you know, like when you, when you said you had urgent news, but then you started asking me about how my drive was, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, but, but then it was a really, really big deal. Right. And, uh, the apostle Paul, uh, in the, in the letter to the Galatians, Paul, uh, kind of did it the right way. He had sort of a similar situation. And in the, in the, in the, the, uh, the book of, of, uh, Galatians, this letter of Paul's to the Galatian church, Paul had this incredibly urgent news that he had to share, uh, with the church in Galatia. And what's interesting about this book, and we're going to be starting this new series in the book of, uh, of Galatians. And what's interesting about it is that this is such such an important letter that Paul skips every pleasantry and he launches right into the heart of the matter and the meat of the matter because the subject matter is so unbelievably crucial. And the, the topic here today is about the gospel. And we're going to be wrestling around with the gospel. And so one of the things that we probably, you guys probably guessed is that, um, uh, as we're talking about the gospel, this is a really big deal, but I hope and imagine that, um, you'll discover at the end of our time together that's actually a bigger deal than what we even might think, even though we're throwing around such an important concept as the gospel. And so as you guys probably know, uh, the Apostle Paul planted a church or maybe just a couple of churches in this area called Galatia. It's in uh, Turkey. Actually, there's a Galatia, Illinois, straight south, about 200 miles from here. So if you want to visit Galatia, you can do that. But the Galatia that we're referring to uh, is in Turkey. 
And so Paul planted a church in this area called Galatia, and then he very quickly left to go and plant other churches. But after he left, not long after he left, a group of people came into the church that he planted, and they began to spread a rumor and to spread a teaching. And the idea was, they said that Paul actually only told you half of the story. When Paul planted this church and what he told you about the gospel was really only half the story. And the reason he only shared half the story with you is because he actually is just trying to get a following. He's actually just trying to get you to like him. And so he shared like this nice, easy part, which is that that you could be saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. But he, but they were saying that is actually only half the story. And that you actually need to do a whole lot more than believe in Jesus. And so when Paul actually heard this, he freaked out, right? And the reason he freaked out was because the purity of the gospel was being introducing another gospel, Paul called it, which is actually, he said, no gospel at all. And what Paul knew is that, as you guys know, the, the, what, what does gospel mean in our language? Good news, right? What Paul knew is that this new gospel that they introduced was actually going to end up being the bad news. That this new gospel, rather than bringing life and freedom, would actually enslave them, right? And so uh, Paul responded in the way that he did because had he not, and this is kind of a bold statement, but I, I've, I've read this from theologians and things like that, and I believe it's true, that had Paul not responded so severely Christianity as we exist may not exist today. That's really how big of a deal this was. And so having said that today, you guys, I want to share with you that I believe that the gospel message is being threatened again in our day. And I'll share why I believe that in a few minutes. And so Paul's purpose uh, of writing this letter to the churches in Galatia was to deal head on with this, this different gospel, this heresy, right? And so the key questions that I want to answer today are what is the gospel, and why does it matter? What is the gospel, actually, and why does it matter? Now, of course, like we said, the gospel means good news, right? And this little baby church in Galatia, it was just getting started. It was a tiny little church plant, right? It was much smaller than we are, probably. But not only was the church in Galatia just getting started, but Christianity was, too. Right? All of Christianity was getting started. And so this was an incredibly significant moment in this letter is a really important letter. So Paul begins like this in Galatians chapter one, verse six. And he says this, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one that we preach to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. And the word is anathema. Let them be banned, excommunicated, disbarred. Verse 10, obviously, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. 
Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received the message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And so here's what's happening. What I want you to do is I want you to think about your own definition of the gospel. I want you to think about what you know of the gospel. Just for a moment. Like, do you have it kind of in your head there? Okay, like, what is the gospel, right? Well, here was the other gospel. The other gospel was this. A group of Jewish people came into the church in Galatia, and they said that in addition to putting your faith in Jesus, you also had to obey Jewish law. In other words, what they were saying was, is that in order to be a Christian, you had to be Jewish as well. You had to become a Jew. What does that mean? It means that you had to be circumcised to be saved. It meant that you had to abstain from eating certain foods. It meant that you couldn't hang out with large groups of people. As a matter of fact, you couldn't hang out with anyone who wasn't Jewish, right? They called them Gentiles. You were forbidden to eat with them. You were forbidden to do business with them. You couldn't help them or be helped by them. And so one of the things that was so crushing about this teaching was that Jesus died so that the whole world could come to know him, but in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish tradition, you weren't even allowed to associate with those people. This was a really significant thing. The other thing that Paul knew that many of the Galatians didn't know because they, they weren't Jewish, they were another you know group of people, is that anyone who tried to live under the law for the last thousand years, they knew by experience that the law crushes That the law, that no one could live under the weight of the law, right? No one could could satisfy the demands of the law. It was a burden to them. And yet they were trying to convince the church that if you were going to be saved, you had to live under the law and follow it. So you can sense the urgency of the situation. And one one of our great Bible scholars, uh, a writer named Charles Swindoll, wrote this about, about this situation. He said, why would a slave, once freed, go back into living in bondage? Why would a debtor, forgiven of his debts, free and clear, continuing, continue to make backbreaking payments to his creditor? Why would a criminal pardoned by a gracious judge walk himself to prison in due time behind bars? These implausible scenarios make as much sense to us as the Galatian crisis of faith made to Paul and Barnabas after their first missionary journey through southeastern Asia Minor. And so Swindoll ends up by writing this. If you want to set captives free, you need to go in with your guns blazing. And that's exactly what Paul did. Paul came in swinging to preserve the gospel. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. And I want to say something that you may not have thought about or heard before. And I just want to say, I want to submit to you that it's likely that many of us have a bit of a misunderstanding about the gospel. I, I know that I did, and it's possible that you do as well. And, and, and here's why this really, really matters, okay? Let me tell you why. So Molly uh, has always been a little fuzzy on geography, right? So Molly's a really, really smart cookie, but geographically, it gets a little muddled for her. And whenever uh, Molly's geographical limitations pop up, it's always really funny to me, right? I, I have nothing on her but geography, right? <laughs> So, so anyway, when we were, uh, when we were back living in, in Lafayette, Indiana, we were chatting about, uh, about, you know, where she lived one time. And she said, uh, you know, I gotta be honest with you. I have never lived any further east than Libertyville. And 
I said, and that's Libertyville, Illinois. I said, well, you're, you're living further east of Libertyville right now. And she goes, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> right? So, okay, right? So, but let's say, let's just say, for example, let's say that we were in Lafayette, Indiana, and Molly wanted to drive home to Libertyville, and she wanted to get there by dinner time to have, have dinner with her parents. Okay, good. We've got the map up there. And so let's say she wanted to drive home, and she knew that uh, Libertyville was east of Indiana. And so she jumped in her car, and she started heading east to go home. Would she get, would she get to Libertyville? Uh uh-uh. uh. But let's say, let's say though that she was determined. Let's say that she was like, I want to get there by dinner. I'm going to do everything I can. So I'm going to get the car all ready to go. I'm going to gas it up. I'm going to get the oil changed. I'm going to drive as fast as, as the law will allow me. I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm going to pee before I go, you know, all that stuff so that I can make great time, right? Would she get to Libertyville any faster? No. She would get further from her destination. And the reason is, is because she didn't start with the truth. And getting the gospel right is a little bit like this. Why does it matter if we get the gospel right? Because the gospel is the starting point for the entirety of our relationship with God. It sends us on a pathway towards a vibrant, joyful, fruitful connection and relationship with Jesus. But what if we don't get it quite right? What if we miss it a little bit? What if, what if getting the, getting the gospel wrong a little bit sends us on a pathway that isn't quite where Jesus is? And here's what I want to contend to or, or say to you guys is, is this, and it'll make more sense as we go on, but I believe that if we miss the gospel, in its truth, that it will lead us towards these two idols, two golden calves, one golden calf of self-centered meism. That's our problem today, I believe. And their problem in the church of Galatia was the idol of works-based faith. And there isn't much life in either one of those. And if we start with a misunderstanding of the gospel, the more progress we make as we're going down the wrong path, the further we get from the truth. And this, you guys, was personal for Paul. This was very personal for Paul. Why? Because this was his life story. Paul began with a zealous passion in his life, but he didn't start with the truth of Jesus. He didn't start with revelation. And so as Paul grew increasingly passionate and zealous towards doing what he thought was right, he went farther and farther from God until he came to the point in his life where he was tearing down the the church and its people. And again, the danger of not understanding the true gospel is that we'll continue further down a path of missing the point. And the more dedicated and determined we are, the more we will miss Jesus. Does that, does that make sense, you guys? Okay. So, what is the gospel? Well, when most of us talk about the gospel, when most of us think about it, uh, we're usually, I think, we're thinking about one aspect of the gospel, or we might even be thinking about an, uh, an outcome of the gospel itself. And so if I were to ask you, what is the gospel? You would likely say something along these lines, right? You would probably say the gospel is that Jesus was born into humanity. He died for our sin on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God and spend an eternity with him, right? That's roughly what we would believe, I would imagine, right? In other words, we often think about the gospel as something that Jesus did for us. He did this for us. He died for us so that we could be forgiven. That is the gospel. 
And there is a small problem that is inherent with viewing the gospel that way. And it's a cousin to the problem that the Galatian church had. And it's this. In our day, so many of us Christians, are, 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 are the, the focal point of the gospel is actually me. The focal point of the gospel is us. And of course, it's not a bad thing. I mean, he, he did all of this for us. It's a good thing to focus on what Jesus did for us, but it's also an incomplete thing. It is an incomplete thing. And more importantly, the spotlight isn't on the star of the show, right? The spotlight of our gospel is on the damsel who's in distress. That's you and me. And it's not on the hero who is Jesus. But in the biblical gospel, Jesus alone is the star. And I want to prove that to you by giving you a few gospel scriptures here. I'm going to just kind of rifle through these. And if you want to do your own study, look up gospel or good news and read what it says in your own scripture. But here's what here's I'll just give you a few. In the, uh, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 5, uh, the author Luke writes this, Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news, the gospel, that what? Jesus is the Messiah. That's the gospel. When uh, a few chapters later, there's a moment where uh, one of the apostles, Philip, was walking down a road, and there was this Ethiopian eunuch who was actually being engaged by the Holy Spirit. He was being drawn to God, but he didn't know anything about God because he was Ethiopian. And so he was reading the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and there was a prophecy in Isaiah about Jesus, but he was confused about what he was reading. And so God sent Philip to hook up with this guy to explain to him what, what he was reading. And so it says this in Acts chapter 8. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else, right? And he was talking about Jesus. And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and he told him the good news about Kevin being saved. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He told him the good news about Sally being forgiven. No, no, no. He told him the good news about, uh, about Sarah's life being transformed. Now, what does it say? He told him the good news about Jesus. That was the good news. In the, uh, uh, just a few chapters later, uh, Paul preaches this sermon, and he gives us an incredibly comprehensive look at what the gospel is in Acts chapter 13. And he says this, Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. They found no proper ground for a death sentence. They asked Pilate, uh, though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and they laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he fulfilled for us, our ch their children, by raising up Jesus. This is the gospel. Who is the star? Jesus himself. And at the very end of Paul's life, in his very last letter to uh, Timothy, his protege, uh, he wrote this to Timothy. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the gospel that I preach. And what I want to share with you guys is that Jesus himself 
is the gospel. Jesus himself is the gospel. And the effect of the good news is our salvation. But the star of the gospel must be Jesus alone. And this matters to me because I believe that if we get the gospel wrong, if we get the star of the gospel wrong, to some degree we'll be getting the gospel itself wrong because we've lowered Jesus and we've elevated us. And I want to see Jesus elevated and the Bible elevates Jesus. And the, the Galatians did the same thing. Sort of. They did this sort of the same thing. They were promoting a gospel that de-emphasized the person of Jesus because some in Galatia said that Jesus isn't enough, that you had to augment what he did to be saved with your own effort, with your own acts of obedience. And so in their gospel, Jesus became a little less. And to this, Paul would say, not on my watch. And that's what I want to commend to us today, that we would echo Paul's words and say, not on our watch, because some things are worth fighting for. Paul was the one that said, I mean, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ in him crucified. And so Paul went in with his guns blazing. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He didn't soften his tone. He came out swinging because of what was at stake. And so just listen to some of the things that Paul wrote in this tiny little letter to the Galatian church. He said this, as we've said before, so now I say uh, again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. You foolish Galatians, who bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Are you so foolish, chapter 3, verse 3, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being protected, or perfected, I should say, by the flesh? And finally, I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. This is referring to circumcision. What do somebody just did? That's the whole thing, right? That's what Paul is saying, right? That was a little over the top, Paul. Um, so he is he is writing to the church to confront this hair story, but his con, his confronting isn't even over yet because what happened? Uh, then he says, "Here's something that happened. I want to tell you how I dealt with it." And and so what what happened next is that uh, that Paul had a rendezvous. He had a connection with uh, with the apostle Peter, someone no less than the great apostle. Peter, the one, the cornerstone of the church, right? And so he met Peter in Antioch, and he saw Peter do something that would muddy the gospel and would draw people further away, and so he confronted this. I want to show you how Paul confronted Peter. It says this in Galatians chapter 2. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised, right? So he's hanging out with everybody, the the people that weren't circumcised, eating and drinking and fellowshipping with them. Uh, But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from uh, from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision, as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and that's, that's important, guys. They followed Peter's hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? And so... When Peter was around the Gentiles, he acted free. 
right? He's like, I'm not under the law anymore. I can eat and drink and hang out. We can have fun. But as soon as Jewish people came in that believed in circumcision and believed in following the law, Paul, uh, uh, Peter withdrew. And when he did that, by his example, other people started to do it. And so because it was such a public thing, Paul confronted him very, very publicly, right? Peter was saying one thing and he was doing another. And it turns out, you guys, that believing something in our heart and in our head isn't enough if it isn't lived out and manifested in our lives because people are always watching. People are always watching. And people uh, and Peter was leading people into slavery rather than into freedom. And that's what our unbiblical behavior does. As image bearers of Christ, as image bearers of God, and as professing Christians, I want you to know that you and I are always, capital A, always representing Christ. Our lives are always speaking. And it can be easy in our tradition because we, here in the vineyard, we know the grace of God. We know the goodness of God so well. And it can be easy for us, I think, to get lax on holiness. It can be easy for us to get lax on obedience. Why? Because we know we're forgiven. We know that the grace is there, right? And so we can just kind of get a little bit easy on ourselves. But the problem is, is that whenever we get easy on ourselves, it costs someone somewhere because people are always watching us. They're always watching our witness. And so Paul knew that Peter was influencing by his example. And so he had to deal with that severely. And it probably cost Peter some embarrassment, but I want to say that it saved the church. It cost Peter a little bit of embarrassment, but what Paul did brought people to freedom in Jesus. And I want to say that some things in our faith church are worth fighting for because the world, the flesh, and the devil, our culture are always trying to erode the gospel. They're always trying to erode everything that is within the pages of those scripture, of the scripture. And I want to tell us not, let's not let that happen on our watch. Let's not cave in to the pressure of our society or our friends or even our own logic. If any of that opposes what God says in scripture, hold fast and fight when we have to fight because some things church are worth fighting for. And so in our season, as in every other season, the gospel is under siege. The gospel is being attacked, right? Some people would say the gospel is just too good. It's too good. It's impossible to be saved by faith in Jesus alone. You have to add your obedience to the equation to which we say, absolutely not. Faith in Christ alone is sufficient. What he did, the cross is sufficient. And some other people would make the gospel all about us. It's that, that idol of me-ism. And we're going to say, it's not about me. The gospel is about Jesus. He is the center. He gets the glory. He himself is the hero. And so I'm wrapping up here. Um, and I just want to give you guys like three challenges. I'm going to give you three challenges. And what I would encourage you to do and ask you to do is... Have some time with God on your own this week. And my little um, challenge or assignment to you will require three connections with God. 
because you're going to tackle each of these three things in each of those connections. So the first thing I want to do is I want to, I want to call all of us to hold up the full and pure truth of the gospel in our time. In your time, make it about Jesus. Tell Jesus' story to your friends. Tell Jesus' story to your kids. Make him famous. And then tell them about how he changed your life. But make the gospel about Jesus. Number two, I want to encourage you to be ready to stand. Be ready to fight when fighting is needed. There are some things in life and some things in faith that can only happen if someone fights for it to happen. Do what Paul did. Recognize the moment and be ready to fight. Ask God to give you a discernment. When do I need to step up? When do I need to fight? And finally, I just want to see, say, be aware of the example that you set with your life because your whole life is speaking. Live like Jesus. Walk in holiness. Be obedient. Show honor because you are influencing more than you know. This church is a fight worth fighting for. Amen? So here's, um, here's the assignment. You guys can stand up. What I would encourage you to do, I gave you three challenges, right? And what I would encourage you to do is um, either write these down afterwards, or we can flash them up. You could take a picture of them. But on day one, I would, I would encourage you to just meditate on and pray on and wrestle with the gospel, the clear gospel message, what Jesus did, why Jesus is such a hero to us. Do that on a day when you're, you're connecting with the Lord. On another day that you're connecting with the Lord, just, just offer your heart to God and offer your life to God and say, I will fight for the things that matter to you. Show me what that looks like. Show me how to do that. Show me where, where there's injustice in the world. Show me where people are, are being, uh, you know, uh, damaged by whatever is going on. Show me, Lord, where your kingdom is not being made manifest and show me how to fight there. Do that work with Jesus. And finally, uh, on another day, I would encourage you to just do some personal business. And I would just encourage you to just ask God, is there stuff in my life? Are there practices in my life? Are there habits? Is there ways of thinking in my life that mar my example, that don't portray you in your perfect character? And then in that in that space where you're just offering your heart to Jesus, I would just encourage you to repent of it and to set yourself on a new course because Jesus will meet you there. All right, so let's just pray and ask God to do this stuff. Sometimes, Lord, I, I admit that um, I get confused about how relevant the gospel messages in real life. Sometimes I think it's just like this theological thing that happened and it's in the past and I don't quite know what to do with it. But Lord, I, I just pray for all of us this morning, Jesus, that you would be so highly glorified in our lives, that you would be so highly honored in our lives. That your story as the Messiah, that your story as God made human, your story as the one crucified on our behalf, raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, that your story would 
overwhelm us, that it would engulf us, that we would be like you, like, like Paul that said, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Lord, I, I pray that it would have practical effect in our lives, Lord, that you would show us what difference the gospel makes, not just for some, some decision that we made at some point in our lives, but what, is, what difference does the gospel make to us today? I pray that you would grow us in character, that you would make us a people who are ready to fight the battles that you want us to fight. That we would literally become world changers, every one of us. That we would change our worlds everywhere that we step. Holy Spirit, just empower that, Lord. Would you just put power on every one of us right now? Would you quicken our hearts right now? Convict us, grip us, Lord. Show us where we fit into your story. Give us more, Holy Spirit, more glory to Jesus.